everybody welcome to the Knicks take podcast episode 17 i am your host ja so focused and i'm french the bro host and if you didn't know we're a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing news of the week for the new york knicks and if you want to find us on our socials you can check us out first on twitter at the Knicks Take, then shoot over to YouTube and search us up at Knicks Take Videos. And we're also on Instagram at the Knicks Take. Lastly, you can find us on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. And I want to start off by cleaning up some stuff from last week, some mistakes that I made. So last week we were unsure about Mitchell Robinson's contract status. I think actually there were a couple people whose contract status we were unsure about, but Mitch's is the most important. Mitchell Robinson is currently up for a team option that needs to be exercised by August 1st. Mm -hmm. Now, if the Knicks decline that option, Mitchell Robinson will be a restricted free agent, which means they can match any other team's offer. If they match any other team's offer, it's not going to affect that they can sign other people, match his offer, Mitch can come back. So they don't need to, they don't need to sign him to the team option, which is a $1 million. They can decline the team option, sign their free agents, match whatever he gets out from other teams, whether it be 10 mil, 15 mil, whatever. And they can go over the cap to bring back Mitch. They can go over the cap to bring back Derrick Rose. So everything that I said last week about the scenarios, it doesn't matter. Mitch's contract don't matter for that. Yeah, I don't see them declining his team option over one mil. They gladly have picked that up. Well, they would pick it up, but then he will be unrestricted next season. Do you you think that they would risk letting him walk if... I believe if they believe that there was a chance that he would walk, then they would just trade him next season. He will, man, if if the Knicks don't have if the Knicks don't have the ability to match what other teams are able to offer him next season, he'll walk. Why wouldn't? Don't we have Why? his bird rights? He's, we can always match whatever any other team has to offer, unless we're like. Yeah, but if we are near the hard cap. He's Which not going to get – he, he's, he's more likely to get offered less now than he would next season. If he has a great season next season, they're going to offer him more than what they'll offer him this offseason. So, well, like, where's the, where's the harm in matching what other teams offer him now, which is going to be lower than what it is that he's going to get next season, as opposed to going into next season trying to find really good free agents, and now you have to worry about – signing Mitch a much higher price than what you would have. But what if no team offers him anything? Then we can, this season? He's going to be unrestricted next year anyway. No, if no team offers him anything, we can bring him back. We can offer him a contract. It's not that, oh, another team 
has to offer him a contract for us to bring him back. We can st- we can give give him an offer, and after the only offer he gets, that's what he gets. If they offer him ten million a year, he has to come back for ten million a year. If nobody else beats that, all the restricted free agency means is that he can talk to other teams and try and bump up his price. If a team wants to offer him twenty five, thirty mil, which no team is going to do, coming off of an injury plagued season mm-hmm. where he didn't even make it to the playoffs to show what he could do in the playoffs, right? Like okay, and then you can go. Like, and that's what it is. Like that, I don't. I don't think another team is going to offer him that. I think that the most he'll get this offseason is fifteen mil, which is probably about what I would want the Knicks to bring him back for this season, next season, whatever. As long as it doesn't exceed twenty to twenty-five, I'm good with that. I'm with you. So I, I, I think that in the, it's in the Knicks' best interest to. Make him restricted this offseason as opposed to waiting for unrestricted free agency. And if he blows up and becomes one of the best centers in the league next season, which is, could be possible, you know, Mitch is real good. Mm-hmm. Now you have to worry about paying him big bucks when you don't even know who else you're going to bring to the team. Well, if he I, if he I'd becomes one be of the best control. centers in the NBA <laughs> and he makes one of the biggest jumps, I, I, I would have no problem with paying him next season. I, I would, but. We'll have that conversation in another pod because we, with that, we got a lot to go get into this episode. That we do. Now, the other thing that I want to clean up, the NBA draft, I said is July 30th. That is incorrect. The NBA draft is actually on July 29th, mm-hmm. and we will be discussing that. We'll be discussing that two days afterward, and the podcast will be coming three days after July 29th. And we'll be talking about, hopefully, some of the guys that we talk about in this episode and the next one. Yep. Let's get to the finals now. After the cleanup is all all done with. We done cleaning up from last week. Let's get to the finals. Because we, def- we, we, we did say that next episode, we'd have a better outlook on a series. And it's looking like one of us is going to get proven wrong very soon. Maybe after this next game tonight. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. <laughs> so you said Suns and seven. Mm-hmm. I said Suns, Suns and six. six. I don't think I don't think what happens tonight because they have a game. They have a game coming on probably in a few in the next few minutes for us. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything that happens tonight changes anything because I think we both said that the Suns would win this game. Yeah, but if the Suns lose this game, then I might be, be proven wrong. This could be over in six. <laughs> it could be over in six in favor of the Bucks. Yep. Do you see that happening? Anything is possible now that the Suns are looking like they are feeling the effects of all the injuries and players being out. Dario Saric is done for, and now they're forced to play Frank Kaminsky a lot more. And what's his name? The point guard. Coming off the bench, he hasn't really been up to par. What's his name? Campaign. Cameron Payne. He hasn't really been How up to par ever since campaign. because he's been very forgettable these last <laughs> four or five games. After he had that one game when Chris Paul was out, he's been MIA since. Mm. So I'm still going to stick with my pick, Suns and Seven. But tonight is going to determine a lot. Series could think- definitely swing back into the Bucks' favor after the night. I don't think the, I don't think the Bucks win tonight. No, they got the I, momentum. As we've uh, yeah, they do, but as we've indicated, they're very wishy-washy. 
We should give some context, right? At this point right now, the Bucks have won two games straight, and now the series is tied two two. That's after Phoenix won the first the two first games. two games, yeah. So Bucks won both their home games, and now tonight there's going to be game four, no game five in game Phoenix. Five. Chris Middleton showed out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that showed up. Do we see him doing that again? I think this, he's this he's capable of doing it again. Of course he's capable. Chris Middleton Chris Middleton is like one of the biggest most underrated. confusing players. Most confusing players in this entire playoffs because he in one game is like, yo, who like this dude is not helping Giannis at all. And then next thing he's having has a better game than Giannis. He had yep. I don't even remember how many points he had. I'm about to pull it up. He had he had more points than Giannis. He 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 was shouldering the scoring load. I'm yeah, like, forty piece. I was like, yo, how? I'm over here thinking Giannis is the, and Giannis. Let me be fair. Giannis was a key factor. He he filled up the box score in that last game. I feel like Giannis was still the reason they won. But I'm looking at the points. I'm like, yo, how this dude scoring forty? And I, I think in the last game he sc- he scored like twelve or something like that. Like it, it's just so confusing as far as Chris Middleton and what his scoring factor in the game. Giannis is definitely the most important reason as to why they won, but and especially with that block at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Especially with what that block. The best at the blocks end of the I've game. ever seen. I watched that. I must have watched that like three times. The recovery. It was a alley oop that he he was. He, he rotated the dude who passed it, yep. and then he rotated, and then he blocked the dude who caught it. It's right. like, how do you? What, are you he, living in the Matrix? Like what? <laughs> he, he's probably how one of you, the only people in the world who can do that play right there. And like really young LeBron, and it's like, yo, how, how, how? The, uh, but anyway, the, I think even Mitch could even, do that. even with, I think Mitch could do that too, but. I don't think it's something that we. <laughs> I I don't want to be put in that position. Hey, he's long and freakishly Pulse. athletic. <laughs> Giggity. Giggity. <laughs> he's he got a long like remember Joel and B said he got some long ass arms. That's that's what Mitch is like. He he's the perfect player to 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 do that type of stuff. But let's just leave Knicks out of it for now since we're talking about the finals. All I want to say is. That game was a six-point. It ended up being a six-point differential. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe that Chris Middleton scoring 40 points on damn near 50% shooting, like, if, if he doesn't do that, the Bucks probably lose this game, even with what Giannis did. And it's something where you can't, you can't even rely on it. He scored 40 in this game. He scored 18 the game before that, 11 the game before that, 29, 32, 26, 16. It's like you don't have any real consistency when it comes to the scoring. You could go for 16 or you could go for 36 in any in any given game. And it's like there's no reliability factor with Chris Middleton. So I, I, I can't say that 
because the Bucks have the momentum that they're going to win this game. I, they only need two wins for a championship at this point. The same, same thing holds same true for standings. Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a best of three right now. It's mm-hmm. a best of three. So you could the be right. Bucks are it healthy. could be done in, it could be done in six. It could be done in seven. I, I, it could go either way. And you said that you would rather see Atlanta. <laughs> No, I, I I said I would rather see Atlanta in terms of the way that entertainment. It'd be way more entertaining. The first two, three games were not entertaining to watch at all. You can admit that, right? Okay. There was this. The last game four was the most inten- entertaining game since the conference finals. Yeah, I don't think that would have been the case if it was the Hawks in the finals. I think. Uh, well, I think if it was the Hawks in the finals, I I don't think we are questioning whether this goes. Seven or not? I, I think, I think we're still like, yeah, go six in favor of the Suns. Where I, I was like, I, I think that, I, I think that the Suns, I think that it's going to be a tough game. I think that whatever, however this ends, the 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 Bucks will have won more games in the in the finals than whatever the Hawks would. Can't say. That. And I said, I said one more game, but if it goes seven, then I would, I don't think it would go. Six, I would think it would go five, but the only reason we saying that now is because Trey Young hurt his ankle, hurt his ankle, and they couldn't get past Game Six. I don't want, I don't want to hear that. They didn't have Giannis in Game Six, so they still had a a a, a good team to play. Chris Middleton so was Hawks, balling. Hawks Bo- didn't Bobby have a, was balling. Hawks, Hawks didn't have a good team. That's what you're trying to say. Hawks didn't have a good team without, without Trey Young. Young was not Trey Young. <laughs> I'm saying it if, if, if we're gonna talk about Trey Young playing, he wasn't the same. This, that's what that I mean changes the making, dynamic this, of the game. This is what I said last week about making excuses for who we want. <laughs> if you if you're good enough to play, then I don't want to hear the injury excuse. I don't know who said that, but anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I said it. He's good. He's good enough to play. Giannis was not good enough to play. You got a good point. Still lost. You got a good point there. I said that. Now. Since we, since we, we, we basically have an idea of what this series looks like now, who do you've got winning games five tonight? I have Phoenix winning game five, and I have Phoenix winning game six. Still, you said the Bucks have only, and after you said that, I, I'm like, mm. Maybe I maybe I agree. Maybe I do want. Maybe I do think this goes seven. Bucks have only lost one game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's right. But I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna. It's really a battle of wills. Yeah. And depending on if and depending on how much you believe Twitter about Chris Paul not having a left hand, if you really think Chris Paul doesn't have. Is it is unable to do anything if they force him to go left? Then the Bucks win this in six. I don't know. But if, if you don't look believe like, that, okay. if you don't believe that, then it's really a battle of who wants the ring more: Chris Paul or Giannis Antetokounmpo. I was going to say the last game looked like Phoenix was about to take one in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And it just came down to the last five, six minutes where Milwaukee just completely took over the game. 
Chris Paul turned the ball over. He was looking bad in that fourth. But for the yeah, majority but... of the game, Phoenix had control. But I did. I hinted at this before the series even started. I said, like, I'm, I'm not phased. I, I won't be phased if they lose the first two games because they're going to flip a switch and they're going to win their games the way that they've done in every single series. Mm-hmm. Even in the Miami series, the first game, it was kind of a feeling out period. Then they flipped the switch and said, we're sweeping you. And they did. Disrespectful. <laughs> but that's that's what this Milwaukee Bucks team is. I don't know. I I don't know if they are flip a switch and we can beat every single team in a seven game series. Good, but they will make every single series competitive because they can flip a switch and win the game. So it's really going to be up to who wants it more. Is Chris Paul gonna? let his career end without winning a championship ring. Doubt it. Is Giannis going to fumble his best opportunity at winning a ring as the only guy on his team? Could go either way. So, but I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my guns and say sons and six. I still got Suns and Seven. Worst case scenario, Suns and Seven. No argument there. Let's get to Tokyo. So Well not Tokyo. They're still in Vegas now, ain't they? I you know what? I don't really I don't really know where they're playing. I thought they were all playing in Tokyo. All the exhibition games are uh, taking place in Vegas and then they head over to Tokyo. Really? I did yeah. not know that. Thank you for that insight, French. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear my children running around upstairs, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're making a lot of noise. I can hear them. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. And I didn't realize when we were talking about the Olympic Games before, I didn't realize that they were going to have exhibition games because I was like, all right, next time we're going to see all our guys play is later on is July 26th or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing clips of, Frank Nilakina and Luca Vildoza in actual games. I'm like, what, what, what is this? And then USA loses twice. You <laughs> loses twice to foreign countries for the first time. Like, yeah. I'm like, what? okay, well, I guess we're doing exhibitions before the Olympics. Yeah. So we'll, let's start off with Luca Vildoza and the Argentinian team. I've seen a couple of nice stuff from Luca Vildoza. I've, I've linked. Two plays, and I think I'm going to try and link it to the podcast episode for those of you who haven't seen it. But they, you can find it on Twitter. Luca Vildoza has been shooting remarkably from long distance, super long distance, in the in these exhibition games. I think they had one exhibition game against the U.S. I don't remember who the other exhibition game was against. But Luca has looked very flashy. Yeah, three he's made, total. He's, he's made some... He's made some interesting passes, and he's shot from the logo like two or three times. And he had a half court, he had a half court buzzer beater in in, in the first game that he played. Yeah, hit a step back on Draymond, pulled in Darius Garland's face, nailed mm-hmm. it from three. Mm-hmm. He showed Outside he's showing that- he's showing little aspects of what he's going to bring to the NBA. He didn't have like an incredible performance. He he shot three for nine in the first two games, mm-hmm. but he's he's definitely showing that he's better than Alfred Payton. <laughs> well, he's a he's definitely a contributor. 
Yeah, he's going to contribute one way or another. He's going to provide shooting, playmaking, and that's that's all you can ask for after what we watched last year. I don't think he's going to start. I don't think so either. He he doesn't seem to do well in the paint. It, it, inside of the three-point arc. His percentage is... They shooting over there? <laughs> nah, they still uh, acting like it's 4th of July. <laughs> you know, in the Bronx is like... They run out of they they they. It don't even matter if it's not Fourth of July no more. They're gonna keep going until they run out. Yeah. So what was I saying? Oh yeah, he can't. He inside of the three point line. Inside of the three point line, he's not really doing anything impressive. And I think that to be a star and point guard on this team, you need to do more than create from the perimeter. Which it seems like that's all he can really do. All of his mo- all of his best highlights are outside of the three point line, which is nice, which is good, especially with guys like R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle who are going to feast inside, and who need a guy like that. I wouldn't mind him starting, but I don't think I don't think Tibbs is I don't think Tibbs is going to appreciate the fact that if it's not at the three point line. He's not really getting it done. And I'm not even entirely sure why, because I feel like his handle is okay. It, he just can't get that step all the way to the rack with a, and convert and finish, it doesn't seem like. What, what do you think about that? I don't think he's going to be a lead ball handler. He's not going to be running a point guard. He's going to probably play either the wing position at the three, maybe some at the two. I don't see him running the one a lot because I see us bringing back D Rose and I see IQ making that jump into the starting five to play the shooting guard. You've said that before. So I think Vildoza's role is going to be coming off the bench off the board to provide secondary playmaking and being able to shoot the three gives him a consistent role, I believe in this, in this rotation. I'm, I, I don't. I I can't. It's hard for me to to see these uh, clips in, because I I didn't watch a full game. I'm be completely honest. I only saw these full clip these these short Same. clips, and I don't I see. Hmm? I didn't even know these games were happening. I, right, and I, I don't know where to watch after it. After the fact, we could probably go. We can find the full games. Like they have them available. Some of them anyway. They right. have them available, but it's it's like not all. I really want to see is the clips of Frank and and Luca. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of Frank, I'm sorry. Were you about to say something? Yeah, he's not he's not surrounded by NBA talent, so it's hard to see the way that he's playing in FIBA basketball and seeing how he's going to translate some of those things that he's been doing and some of the things that he's been struggling at. They might get easier for him in the NBA because you see a lot of these calls that they're making. I mean, a lot of these calls that they're not making. And those end up in free throws a lot of the times mm-hmm. in the NBA because everything's a foul. So it's a lot easier for an offensive player to get into a groove than more so than it is in FIBA that it looks like so far to me. That's why Team USA what? seem to be struggling. Uh, that's a very good point. I could definitely see Luca coming off of the bench and taking advantage of the offense the way that the offense is called in the NBA, much like Emmanuel quickly did this past season Mm -hmm. and getting a lot of fouls. I can definitely see that. 
And he has that, he has great IQ. Like people compare him to Pablo Prigioni. You, mm-hmm. you, you put a young Pablo Prigioni in NBA right now, you see he's going to get, he's going to get a lot of the advantages on offense, I feel like. I think we can both with agree. With this skill set that Luca has. I think we can both agree, though, that he's very skilled, and I think, and we both agree that he's going to be in the rotation, just that he hasn't shown enough to be like, the Knicks don't need to draft a point guard right. as of yet. Right. So I was about to say, speaking of Frank, mm-hmm. hope is Hyper Frank. FIBA Frank is back. Hooping. He's better than FIBA Frank last time. I'll tell you that. He's hooping out there. You see what he's doing, man? All kinds of step backs and crossovers and runners in the lane. Runners, dunking, hitting the three. Man, listen, I I would love to see Frank come back and be on and start next to RJ if he keeps playing like this. Like, that that boy is looking real good, yeah. and and the one thing that I keep hearing and seeing on Twitter is why he don't play like this for us. Because he don't get the minutes to play. And then I looked at his best games from last year, and I looked at his Laker game from this year, and I'm like, hmm? he has played like this for us. I, he not consistently though. It's that that's the thing. It's not consistently. And it seems like in the he's going if he keeps this up, if he keeps this up into the Olympics, that it's now he's more comfortable doing everything that we want him to do. And if he's comfortable doing it there and then he comes, we bring him back, which I still hope that we do. I, I hope that we can decline his option and bring him back on a cheaper deal and hope another team does not try to sign him for more money, which is going to be tricky if he plays real good in the Olympics. But if the Knicks can do that and he comes in and shows out, that'll be a great pickup for us. If we can get him for multiple years on cheap money and he plays the way he's playing. Yeah. This breaks my heart. Just seeing him perform like this. It makes me feel like he would probably rather prefer playing for another team where he can showcase this more often. Did you see? Did you see the practice? I the, I posted two links. Did you see the second one where on Twitter where he's shooting from half court? Nah, I didn't see that. Yeah, you didn't even click it. You thought it was still. You thought it was game stuff. I thought the that second was still... link that I have. The second link that I have there. The tweet tweet is Frank Nelkina. From the parking, parking lot. lot. And I'm looking at it and it's like, yeah, it definitely looks like he's shooting from half court. Mm-hmm. And the last shot that he throws up is like, it looks like he's just throwing it up and it went in. It went in and I'm like, yo, Frank, what are you doing? What are you doing? First one, all right, he looked like, all right, I don't know if that's going in. The second one, that's the one where it's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get in there. I just watched it. Get in here. And I'm like, Frank, don't do this to me, man. If you hit in from, from long, long range like that, I, I I really hope we don't lose you. I don't care if he's shooting from long range. Like I want him to make it from the regular three. 
Because <laughs> that's he, where he that's what's keeping like, him from. I, I'm saying like if if he's more consistent it. from the regular three, the corner three, yeah. and he is able to earn a rotation spot based on that alone, then I want to see all the half court shots and all that extra. Like I exactly. feel like you got to get the baby steps in first to stay to stay in the rotation before we get excited about be, this type of stuff. Because what's going to be key for him is going to be the attempts. If he get his attempts up to Reggie Bullock range mm-hmm. with Reggie Bullock last season accuracy, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't need Reggie. <laughs> we don't need Reggie to come back. Yeah, I and feel like if Reggie he can shoot. If he can shoot from manual quickly distance and then play D like that, and we could bring him back on the cheap, boy, I tell you, yeah, if he could be the Reggie replacement, I'd be happy. I, he had two seasons to learn the Reggie. And it's and it's. I'm gonna say this and get off of it because we got we got more to get into. We're already yeah. at a half hour. Well, actually, it's gonna be a little bit less than that. He can shoot off the dribble. Mm-hmm. We see in that in the Olympics, and we've seen that in in certain games for the Knicks, both this Throughout season and career. last season. He he can shoot off the dribble. He can dribble and then pull up three and make it. And it seems like he's developed a step back. Reggie can't do that. And Reggie, if he's dribbling more than twice, he's giving up the ball. Yeah. Whereas Frank is comfortable. He can drive it to the rack. He can he can pull up. And that's way more valuable than what Reggie Bullock gives us. And if you can bring him back at a deal that's similar to what Reggie Bullock got, no complaints. Happy with that. No complaints. So. Let's move on to the next topic, French. What we got next? Up next, we got the most controversial player in Nick's Twitter right now, Colin Sexton. Mm -hmm. I said on Twitter the other day, caused our Twitter to be restricted for all... I don't even know. It's been restricted for four days, but based on this one tweet that just... I don't think it was because of that, but ever since I tweeted it, I, we haven't been able to use our Twitter. But right, ever since I expressed the fact that I wasn't comfortable trading Ob Toppin just yet, because Twitter was hating. Twitter, yeah, like Twitter going restrict Twitter. I mean, restrict our profile because we're getting a lot of traffic more so than usual. Like for those who don't, who aren't following. Colin Sexton has been rumored to be on the trade block for Cleveland. And the New York Knicks have appeared to be the front runners, according to Shams. So it's said that Cleveland has made Colin Sexton very available in trade talks. And it's possible for us to receive Colin Sexton for Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, and one of the 20, one of our two first round picks from this season. And saying that that's, that would be enough to get Colin Sexton back. Are you, would you be comfortable making that trade on the Knicks side? For Colin Sexton, who averaged 24 points last season. So I'm pretty sure we've talked about Colin Sexton before in terms of being a Nick. And I think we both at the time said we want no parts of Colin Sexton. 
We didn't elaborate on it, though. We did not. And since these rumors have come about, everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Out of and boredom. I've listened. I've listened. I've read. I've gone back and forth. Repeat to me that trade again. The New York Knicks would be sending out Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, and one of the first, one of the two first round picks of ours, which is 19 and 21. I'm leaning towards yes. Why? Because A, there's no guarantee that we will find a 20 point per game score in the draft. We could. I think that you'll be bringing up guys that I think have a very high chance of doing it, but there's no guarantee. Whereas Colin Sexton is a guaranteed 20 point per game scorer who is 23, 24. He's, he's very young. Are we guaranteeing that he'll score 20 points per game for the Knicks? I think so. So that would be taking the ball out of, RJ's hands. And that would make Colin Sexton the number two option to Julius Randle. Here's why I'm uncomfortable with making that trade. Uh, well, let me finish my... You oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I, know, I know you're uncomfortable with yeah, it. I'm, you know? Yeah, you know. I'm just trying to talk... I'm trying to explain why I feel the way that I feel. And I'm not saying that I clearly... Like, I, you could see the hesitation. I am... I am on the fence most for the most part but i am right now anyway slightly leaning in one direction and i hear what you're saying about that and i'll get back to that b as long as julius randall is a member of this new york knicks team which i figure he will be for a long time as long as he keeps putting up the numbers he's putting up obi toppin is not going to maximize his potential he's not going to be in the starting lineup unless we get rid of mitch and you make him a small ball five which means that he is even if he's a small football five off the bench he's going to max out probably 18 to 20 minutes a game i don't i think that if you miss on the pick and you have obi Toppin coming off the bench for 18 to 20 minutes I don't know. I think that that's a comparable. That's comparable results there, except Colin Sexton can give you more as a starter than what Obi Toppin is going to give you off the bench. And Kevin Knox is already currently not playing, and unless he comes back and shows out, which I don't think either me or you are expecting him to. You know, we we think it's probably more likely that he gets traded than he gets playing time, unless he. Show something amazing in the offseason, in summer league, or he's not going to play in summer league, but in, in training camp or something. I don't see him getting minutes. So, I lean okay, but I'm not like, that should be our first move. I think we should try to solve our guard situation in other ways first. But if that's what it comes down to, Colin Sexton... Maybe maybe you sign Colin, you trade for Colin Sexton and you sign Lonzo Ball 
or something. And I wouldn't even trade. I wouldn't even sign Lonzo Ball. I'm not sure who I would sign because Colin Sexton is not really. He's averaging less than three assists a game, four assists a game. He's not averaging that many assists a game, so he's not. He's not going to feed the ball to everybody else. He's 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 a very good facilitator. That's the other thing. I watched I watched a, a Twitter thread showing how how he's improved as a playmaker, as a, as a facilitator. And a lot of the times, his passes just went to guys who weren't hitting shots. It wasn't it wasn't on him. So if you think that that's going to improve when he has guys who are going to hit shots around him, I. You take a you take a chance on the young guy who has upside, who is scoring twenty points per game, and who who can get his assists up, as opposed to a guy who's going to be taking over backup minutes behind Julius Randle, Kevin Knox, who's not going to really be a part of this team unless he shows out. And the gamble that you're taking in the draft, I I, I just think it's comparable. All right, what are you about to say, French? I want to add some context to this. Mm-hmm. Colin Sexton is the starting point guard, shooting guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, averaging 24 points on a team that has been in the lottery year after year. Mm-hmm. Hasn't made any difference to that team outside of being able to put up numbers. And from the moment he's been in the league, there's been questions about whether or not he can lead a team as the point guard. Mm -hmm. Veterans on the team questioning how, 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 how high his basketball IQ is. There's always been rumors about Colin Sexton being a bad locker room guy. I don't know any of this for a fact, but it's, it's out there. So I got to speak on it. Mm -hmm. So those are two things that raise Warning signals to me if we're going to be trading a lot of ass, a lot of assets for a player, Absolutely. especially draft assets and young guys. Absolutely. Obi Toppin has it has improved throughout the season and has shown that he can be a rotation ro- rotation player in the playoffs. The last time that we've seen him. So I don't know if I'm ready to just throw him into a trade because we haven't even seen him even come close to his potential. We don't even know what type of player we're going to see Obi Toppin be in four years. So I'd rather wait to see how he develops before I'm just throwing him in a trade willy-nilly for a guy who just scores a lot of points on a bad team. Another thing, if we're going to be trading for our point guard of the future, shouldn't he be a point guard, a high-level playmaker. I don't see that as Colin Sexton. And he's an undersized guard at 6 feet 6'1", due to probably his hair. He's probably even 5. Well, I ain't going to go that far. He's, he's probably 6 feet 6'1". Six, but he's not an above-average defender. He, he, he tries. He gives effort, but he's undersized. He's not a playmaker. He's just a scorer. When you look at what he brings to you outside of scoring, there's not many things that you can pull from, which makes me uncomfortable with giving up so much assets. I'm not even considering Kevin Knox an asset yet, but I personally have 
hopes to see him improve next season because I feel like he's also improved in different areas throughout his career. And once he puts it all together, he can prove to be an NBA rotational player. So I'm going to clap back and then we'll move on. Cause I ain't finished. Oh, my fault. There's right. more. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait. Lastly, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of trading for a guy, giving up a lot of assets, and then having to pay them after that. You paying twice for one player. And he's going to eat up a lot of cap space due to the fact that that's what he wants. He feels like he deserves a big payday. And that's the reason why Cleveland is shopping him because they're not comfortable giving him that bag. And if they're not comfortable giving him that bag after drafting him, what was it, eighth overall in the draft in 20, what year was that? 2018? Same year as Kevin Knox? It was 2018. Number eight pick. I don't feel comfortable trading for a guy that your own team who drafted you, who's seen you up close and personal for the last three, four years of your career. They're shopping you heavily before you even sign your rookie contract. That's a red flag to me, too. Senses are tingling. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Yeah, take. Okay. His career average from three-point, 38.5% from three-point land. Career average from the free throw line, 83.1%. It's averaging 20.2 points per game over three years. Averaging 45.8% from the field in total, and that is after averaging 43% in his rookie season. His last two seasons, he's averaged 47 between 47.2 and 47.5 from the field. This season, his assists, after averaging three three assists a game, jumped up to 4.4 assists this season. And that's playing, and that's splitting playmaking duties with Darius Garland. So he's increased his assist rate while splitting playmaking duties with Darius Garland. Darius Garland is obviously the better playmaker. That's why he's who Cleveland has hitched their wagon to. But I don't think that means that it's completely hopeless for Colin Sexton to be that kind of guy. Just you're trading for a guy who's probably not as good as Darius Garland. I don't let you keep saying this thing about I'm not ready to give up on Obi Toppin. I don't think that we should look at it as giving up on Obi Toppin. You're, That's what it is, you're trading Obi Toppin for a guy who is younger than him. By one because year. I said that I said Colin Sexton is 23. He's actually 22 years old. He's 22 years old. He's got he's he's got a lot of growing still to do. If yes, there are. Plenty of warning signs, as you pointed out. And a lot that I left out. And a lot that you left out. But you have to consider if Cleveland don't want to pay him what he thinks he's worth, and the Knicks decide that they don't want to pay him what 
he thinks he's worth. What teams are going to pay him what he thinks is he's worth? There's teams out there. And well, if they if they think he's worth that and they're going to put money put money down for him, so be it. That's going to be money off of the books. And it's OB be, top it'll and be a draft pick a, going for nothing. It'll be it'll be a gamble, but it'll be a gamble that okay, that's three. If if you lose that gamble, okay, that's three salaries that are off your cap that you now have available to you, which bad is not business. which is a bad way to look at it, admittedly. But if you think that he can be that guy, and you're making that gamble because he can be that guy. You make that gamble. If you're not giving up multiple first-round picks, you're giving up one pick for who you think will be your point guard of the future if you make this trade. And if he is your point guard of the future, then you'll spend 25, 28. You'll spend that money because he's going to prove it. He's going to prove that what he's doing now is just is not even the tip of the iceberg. You. I'm not saying the Knicks have to do this, the Knicks need to do this, that I want the Knicks to do this. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying if they think highly enough of him to do that, you still have you still have one pick from this year. You still have Quickly. You still have Mitch. And you can hope that Kevin Knox steps up. And I don't I, I think I like Frank next to Colin Sexton, so if you bring him back, hey, all that defensive stuff. Well, hey, a Sexton, RJ, Frank Nilakina, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. I think they can cover up for Sexton defensively if they really need to. And he's not that. He's not that terrible. Yeah, he's small, but you know he averages assist. He's averaged assistant and a steal, not assist. He's averaged a steal a game for the last two years. So, and he tries hard. He does make some poor decisions, but he's still young. And I think some tutelage under Tom Thibodeau will probably help him in that area too. And if it does, that's a guy that you keep. If he still scores, he ups his assist rate and he lowers his turnover rate and he becomes a better defensive player. I don't, it's not a move that I want the Knicks to get naked. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that they have to make it or should make it, but if push came to shove, that's what it was. And we strike out in free agency and, we don't, Sharif, you know, Sharif Cooper doesn't fall in the draft or one of the guards that they're looking at doesn't fall in the draft and they end up taking two wings and they're looking at still a starter, a, a no point guard, a starting point guard. Let me try that again. They're looking at a rotation with no starting point guard. I think, I think Obi Toppin is a valuable piece and that's it. For anybody who's averaging 20 points per game, you're probably expecting to have him included in a trade. I would rather not. I would rather see if you can get it done without Obi Toppin. But if that's where the line is and we are actually, we, we seem to be one of the bigger shooters for him, I would assume that our front office is smart enough to be like, we're, the, we're bidding, bidding against ourselves. If you want to mm-hmm. bring him back for nothing, then by all means. But we don't have to do this. I'm assuming that they would go under that. Now, if they're bidding against somebody else and you have to give up Obi Toppin, that's just how it goes. And I don't want to make it seem like it's Obi Toppin where I draw the line at. It's not just Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin hasn't proved anything yet in the NBA. 
he's proved that he's getting better and he's a gym rat and he's willing to put the Absolutely. work in and do all this other stuff to get better. <clears throat> and he, he has made a steady improvement, but that's not where I draw the line at. It's the combination of everything because I feel like this is one of the deepest drafts in years. Mm-hmm. And last year was a really good draft. And this draft is better than last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not throwing picks willy nilly in trades for guys who I are, who I'm not absolutely certain about because a pick because that pick alone could be better than Sexton. That pick alone, if we could look be. back, if we look back years down the line, the and we pick could be better than Colin Sexton for all we know. Like you, 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 you the could, second you round could, pick could be better than Colin Sexton for all we you, know. You, you could you could use could be all you want. Obi Toppin could be yeah, like that doesn't stop it from no being matter a fact. what. No matter what you, but you don't, you won't know it's a fact until after. And you could say, "Damn, we could have traded Obi Top." You could say we tra- you could have traded Obi Toppin in the twenty first pick for Colin Sexton, and we didn't pull the trigger. And now look at us. Or you could say, "Damn, we traded that for for Colin Sexton." And he's gone, or I'm he never. ain't playing good. It could go. It could go either way. And you could look back at it with egg on your face, no matter what you do, you won't know. And you won't, all it's about is how much preparation you have, how much the person that you are making this move for or not making this move for, how much they hold up their end. But you, ne- you, you don't have a look into the future to know what, which way it's going to go. So all you can do is say is make a gut call and live with whatever it is that you have to live with. I can live with, Either way, two things I can promise you. Mm-hmm. One, pizza's always gonna taste amazing. <laughs> and two, I am never gonna look back at Colin Sexton and be like, "Damn, I wish we would have traded for him." Ever, I could guarantee you that I'm never gonna look back at Colin Sexton like, "Oh, I'm mad we didn't trade for him." There's been a few trades in Knicks history where we. We're like, we're not giving up on this player. We're not trading this player for this player. I think Frank has been in a couple of trades where the Knicks said, we're not doing that. And But we're not wrong to think that. It's on the development of the coaches to bring out what we see. Which is on the front office to bring a development staff, which we I don't think we've done until this last season. Yeah. So it's a lot of things that go into it. There's a lot of things that go into it. But just as much as you can say about development, like I said, Colin Sexton is 22 years old. He can still develop. Julius Randle only became what we know him to be in when he turned 26. Who's to say Colin Sexton doesn't have that same jump in his game? Because before he turns 26 we don't know we don't know you can't you can't you can't and, and you can't say i'll never do that because it's already happened in the past we've seen it, it i just don't see him becoming a high level playmaker and i see players in this draft who have things that you can't teach and i would rather see them get the development that would that would bring out the aspects of their game that they need to improve which it leads us into our next topic, but I'm gonna let you finish this off. No, no, just go ahead. Oh, oh, so <laughs> it was a great transition. I can transition straight into <laughs> our draft prospects. My four draft po- prospects. We're gonna shift right into the draft because there's there's a lot of players that I like in this draft. 
So last year you told me I had to figure out four players that I had to come to this podcast to talk about, right? Cuatro. Four. Number one was who would I trade up for? Number two was who I would take at 19, who I would take at 21, and who I would take at 32. So I have four players for you. Ready? I'm ready for you. Number one. The player that I would trade up for in this year's draft, I chose somebody that I felt like doesn't get the respect or recognition that he deserves. And I feel like when you listen to Nick's podcast, we all hear the same group of names. So I'm bringing someone different to the table for who I would trade up for. And we're going to go overseas for this one. Australia. 6'8", guard. Josh Giddy, who averaged 11 points per game, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists per game. I feel like he plays years beyond his age. He's 18 years old, very smart player, one of the best playmakers in his draft, might be second or third best playmakers in his draft. He's excellent in transition, great passing IQ. His eyes are always up on transition, which leads to him making incredible passes, ambidextrous with either hand. He's also great at finishing with either hand. In the paint, he's really skilled. And I just feel like he's ready for the NBA. He he makes really exceptional reads in the pick and roll. I just I see him being a really productive player. I don't know who I would compare him to in the NBA. I see like the positive shades of Mario Hazonia. And I don't know. It's hard to see who I compare him to because he, he has a unique style of play. But he's not the perfect prospect. I just feel like he deserves some respect based on the accolades that he's he he's racked up overseas. And he's the youngest Australian to ever record a triple-double. I just like him a lot. He does need to work on his ball handling and shot creation. He's not the best defender in the world due to his like slow foot speed, lateral foot speed. And I see him struggling to guard a lot of the talented NBA point guards or guards, shooting guards, maybe even some of the wings. But I can see him being a good team defender. If we were to pick him up, I see him coming off the bench. And I can see him in lineups with RJ where he would look really good next to RJ and and, and spots in the game because he's 6'8", playmaking wing. And RJ has failed to have a real solid playmaking option outside of him and Julius Randle. Mm -hmm. He's had Alfred Payton for the last few years. And there's a lot of times where RJ makes really nice cuts to the basket. No one sees him. He wide open in the corner. No one sees him. Josh Giddy is a corner passing extraordinaire. Like he loves to make passes to the corner. He gets them off with ease. So I really like Josh Giddy a lot. What do you think about him? So every time that I've heard Josh Giddy talked about, they refer to him as a point guard. With the caveat that probably when he comes to the NBA, he's not going to be a point guard. And the reason why he wouldn't be a point guard in the NBA is his lack of shooting touch beyond the three-point line. That too. I left that out. I don't... 
I, I like Giddy. And at the same time, I'm curious as to what his game looks like on an NBA court. He's going to play. He's going to get minutes. He's going to do something. I don't know if it's going to be a starter, if it's going to be on the bench, if he's going to be an all-star. But he's got, he's, got, he's got point guard vision. IQ, smart player. He's going to do good things on the court no matter where, what league he's in. Now, the problem, the problem is defensively, where, where are you going to place him? Which is why part of why he's probably not going to be your starting point guard. And his inability to hit the three-point shot consistently, which I've heard a lot of people say they're not worried about his three-point shot, but he, uh, until he does it in the game, what are you going to do? Would I trade up for Josh G- for, for, for Giddy? Maybe. It depends. Depends on what you're giving up. Yep. And I don't. And I think that the price it would take to move up high enough to get Josh Giddy might be too high for my taste specifically because I don't know if I like him as a three because he can't shoot because I think that you're going to have to hide him on this team but I love I love the playmaking that I've seen from him and I think that would be very crucial in NBA games so and he's a good finisher too in the paint and he's a great finisher in the paint. Josh Giddy, with a number of guys in this draft, it's it's one of those things where it's like I, I, I like him, but I don't know how much I like. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll trade up for him. And then like when we see him in the league, he's like, damn, we should have traded up for him. Yeah, I would love <laughs> to that, see him in those. I could together. see that happening with him. Like, like I could see see myself being like, damn, I, I don't know why I was hesitating because. It's, even if he never is a great defender, if he gets the three-point shot up, he's going to be a starter, yep. point blank, period. And he's going to contribute to a team, and he's going to help them win. Yeah. That That's that's all the thoughts I have. <laughs> Since you got no more thoughts for prospect number one, let's move straight on to prospect number two, who's my Our favorite guy. prospect in this draft, most Knicks fans' favorite prospect in this draft, who we are all hoping – Ends the night on, what's the July 29th? Yeah. Who we're hoping all is wearing a Knicks cap for the most part is Sharif Cooper. And if you don't know anything about Sharif Cooper, I'm going to tell you a few things. First off, what you're looking for in the draft is someone who's going to bring an elite skill to the table. At least in my in my eyes. I feel like that's what I always want to look for in a draft. I agree. And Sharif Cooper offers elite playmaking ability. Averaging eight assists in college despite him being shorter than damn near everyone on the court at six foot one, maybe six foot two inches. The game time is shorter than the NBA and he still was able to add Average eight assists, which is actually really impressive. He had a higher assist percentage than Trey Young in college, which many players you can, you can't really say had 52 of his possessions ended with an assist. Average 8.6 free throws per game, shot 82% from the free throw line. He just offers so many things that 
make you salivate as a basketball fan. You know what I'm saying? You have you have a point guard who's a elite playmaker who gets to the free throw line with ease. There's games this year where he was in Auburn where he would foul out multiple players. Mm-hmm. And I just see him transitioning to the NBA easier than a lot of people who are draft experts are saying. They 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 seem to be thrown off by his size because he's so small, but I don't understand why. Like we've seen so many small guards in the NBA dominate. Chris Paul in the finals right now as we speak. And people are still saying Sharif Cooper could go to the second round. I don't understand. Because of his size, his weight. I don't think I don't think many people are saying that, but yeah. I I've been I've been doing a lot of homework on Sharif, just looking for any type of flaws. I'm like, it's gotta be something. Why is he not a top ten pick? But he might end up being a top ten pick. I'm 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 picking him at nineteen, just hoping that he'll be there. But when you watch him play, no one's speeding Sharif Cooper up. He plays at his own pace. He gets to the spots that he wants to get to on the court. He makes difficult passes with off with his off hand with precision. Mm-hmm. And he he provides feisty on ball defense. Even though he's small, he he took a lot of charges in the and out beyond a three point line. It's just like, bro, he 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 provides so much, and I can just see him being a great pickup for the Knicks. I see him fitting perfectly well on the roster. It just seems like too many things are clicking. Too many things are just perfect for the Knicks for us not to pick him up with this pick. How about you? How would you feel about him? I'm going to say something. You write all this stuff and you don't read none of it. <laughs> I read. I write it just so I can glance at it and speak on it. I got to speak from the heart. I can't read and just talk but, like that. Uh, so I'm going to say two things, two other things. Before before we started this podcast, I talked you out of the trade up for Sharif Cooper, and you put Josh getting in there. Yeah. So just just to let people know the, that that is a thing that happened. He he does believe you you do believe that there is a chance Sharif Cooper does get taken before 19. Yeah, I, want to at least is... I want to at least acknowledge that, and I want to acknowledge that the the reason why I even looked anything at Sharif Cooper before all of this was because you texted me that you really want him. That's the first prospect that you said you wanted. And when I looked at his clips, and I said, God I damn. Like, oh, I, my bad. I said, I feel like <laughs> he's going to be gone before the Knicks select him. That'd be terrible. And then I, and then, the more that I was doing research, just as you have, everybody slotted him from nineteen on, twenty on, twenty one on, and I was like, why? He, everyone says that he is an elite playmaker. He has an elite skill. There can't be eighteen other guys in this draft who have an elite skill, who score over twenty points per game. How how, At a low how percentage, does he fall? Though. How how does he how, how does he fall? And yes, that that is part of it. He scored that at a low percentage. He shot poorly from three. Mm-hmm. He sh- I, he doesn't have a great at the rim uh, finishing at the rim percentage. Right. And 
he is not six or he was not six one, even though he was list, listed as six one in college. Which makes it even he's more saying, impressive to me. He's he's saying that now he's not six one anymore. He's six two, and nobody believes that either. And that and that is the thing is that if you're going to be a small guard who may not even be six one in the NBA, you are going to have to be able to shoot because even in college, when he got to the paint, he sometimes struggled finishing over larger players. So if you can't finish and you can't shoot. I've heard people stupidly, in my opinion, say this, but I've seen, I heard people say, how is he any different from Alfred Payton? Well, he's different from Alfred Payton because Alfred Payton is not an elite playmaker. Alfred Payton cannot make any of the passes that Sharif Cooper can make. Sharif Cooper makes plays happen out of thin air just by his presence alone, just by manipulating the defense into going where he wants them to go and then passing it to a teammate that he knows is going to be where he passes the ball. His assist to turnover ratio is crazy. He he averaged he averaged however many assists and he damn near he had however many he had however many assists playing 12 games, only 12 games. He was probably the leading assist person in college with 12 games under his resume after not playing to start to start the season due to eligibility concerns. And you want to say something French? You can't look at anybody on that roster and see no. them in this NBA draft. There's not, no. there's a one NBA he, prospect on the team other than Sharif Cooper, and that's JT Thor. He was the, he was the offense on that team, and he still was able to average a higher assist percentage than everyone else in this draft. So. The reason why I I think that he will he will drop is because statistically and physically that is his range. And you have to think that the elite playmaking will not show up in the NBA because of one and two. But if you're doing a deeper dive and you say, well, perhaps his his field goal percentage is so bad is because he was the only offensive player on that team. And even though he was the only offensive player on that team, averaging over 20 points per game, he still managed to, to have however many assists he, he averaged. He, how much? I don't know if you have it on here, French. How many, how many assists, did, assists he did he average for, for, for his 12 games? I wrote eight. And... and he did that with a team with no offensive. I think I feel like it might be more than eight. He did that on a team with no offensive talent outside of JT Thor and and eight point one. And it's and four rebounds a game. Let's not leave that out. I, I think that I think that the only thing that you can really legitimately be concerned about. I'm not concerned about his finishing because he can finish. I'm not I'm not concerned about his ability to score in the NBA because I don't think that I think that he has a floater game that he didn't he didn't really utilize in college even and though he was really good at he that was as really well. good at the floater but he just didn't do it that often. Right. He his handle was crazy. Elite. That's another elite skill that I didn't even mention. Elite and, ball handler. 
And so the only thing that you really have to be concerned about is his three-point shot because he has a very funky release. And that, Wait, one more thing before. I just wanted to address that last point. He had a pro day where he looked like he made changes to his jump shot, and it looked way better. Way better, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna and you know who up. had front row seats to that? The Knicks. Right. <laughs> all of them. Leon Rose, all of them was there. Front row to see Sharif Cooper's pro day. So, if you're thinking like I'm thinking, if, if these GMs are thinking like I'm thinking, Sharif Cooper probably doesn't, isn't there at 19. So, I, I, I think that even though I think that we are feel like we're being safe putting him at 19, I think we should just make it clear. He could be going at 19, and it's because of all of this. There are a lot of things that are scaring a lot of people away, the three-point shot, the poor percentage percentage at in the paint, and the and the height, the lack of height, and the lack of any type of length in arms. He, he's not going to be a he's not going to be one of those lengthy six foot. He, no, that's that's not that's not what he, what he's going to be. He's going to draw charges. He's going to be a pesky defender if he becomes a good defender. But that's going to be it. He's a strong. He's a strong kid, but mm-hmm. there's going to be defensive concerns with him because of how small he is. His three point percentage ain't great. His finishing isn't great. When you look at the numbers, if you let that rule you, he'll fall. I'll if you say, on. if you say there are reasons for this, and it has to do with the team that he played on, and if you put him put him in the right position, he's going to look great. He's he's. He's gonna he's gonna rise. He's gonna he's gonna be top fifteen, and hopefully, hopefully, there are teams who are like, yeah, we don't need a guard anyway. He's probably yeah. gonna be there late twenties, blah blah blah. We could pick him up then, thirties. We'll pick him up then, and the Knicks can scoop him up, and he can hopefully learn behind another small guard, starting point guard, and he can be our future point guard, but. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came on the court day one and contributed. One last thing on Sharif. Mm-hmm. If we were to pick him up at 19 or trade up for him, whatever, Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox immediately get better. Get better. And Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett get better. Mm-hmm. He's going to be setting guys up. Julius Randle from the minute he steps onto the NBA court, everyone will get better. He'll put everyone he'll put every, gets better. Every everyone will be put into their positions, and it, it's going to be key for him to show that the three point shot is not as bad as it was in those twelve games that he played. Mm-hmm. And he had a, he had a couple of games where he shot pretty well, but so did Elvin Payton this season. He's got to show that he can shoot consistently. Over thirty percent, thirty three percent, thirty four percent. If he can do that, and he can be a threat from three, and then he can manipulate the defense the way that he has in college. If he could do that, he'll instantly be a boon to everybody on his team, specifically the bigs who have been and R.J. Barrett who've been getting missed. He's not going to miss these guys. Sharif yeah. Cooper doesn't. Sharif Cooper doesn't miss. 
if he knows that you're open and you're in a spot where you can hit your shot, he'll get you. He'll get you the ball. Yep. And that is something that the Knicks have not had in I don't know how ever. Long. Never. We never had that. And with quickly making that jump into the shooting guard, which I predict, I see Cooper being our first man off the bench, leading the second unit, and who he plays around in the second unit is who we're going to address now with our third draft prospect. And who I'm going to take at number 21? Oh, his name goes by Kai Jones. 6'11", athletic shot blocking, rim running big. Only average 8.8 points per game and 4.8 rebounds. But this pick would be mainly based around potential. When I see Kai Jones play, I see... Christian Wood with sprinkles of Giannis Mm -hmm. on the positive side. I just see he has long strides that help him on a break, finishing 75.8% in transition for Texas. I see he scored a lot of his baskets with cuts, played a lot in the dunker spot, but he also could shoot the three a lot. Like I think he shot uh, 39% from three. This year, but he didn't take too many attempts. But he had he had a pretty good stroke. I feel like if he was able to develop a more consistent jumper, be a little more consistent on defense, he could develop into who knows what. But I see a lot of different NBA players. I see shades of Mitch. He just doesn't have great defensive awareness, and he has a really slender build. So it's going to take a few years for him to be a solid rotation NBA player. He's not a perfect prospect because he's so raw and he's not a great decision maker, but his potential is just through the roof. How do you feel about him? I think that if you trade that 19 pick to get Colin Sexton, that's a great pickup. Instead of Obi, you know, 19 and Obi, yeah, Kai Jones can fill that Obi Toppin role. This is not the Colin Sexton <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> this is this, this is the the, the but that's uh, what, but, pick. If we keep Cooper at nineteen, he's gonna be coming off the bench with Sharif, Obi, and it's gonna be him. That's right there is Lob City two point The reason why I say the reason why I say that is because he does play the four five spot. So if you have him come off the bench. You can have him spell whoever the five is. And then when Julius Randle comes off the bench, you can slide over to the four and then you put Mitch at the five and give Mitch more minutes. And then that's your three man big rotation. Julius, uh, not Obi, Kai Jones, Mitch Robinson, because you'll always have shot blocking and athleticism on the court if you do it that way. Which, if you have Obi Toppin, that, that's also true, too. You have an athletic big, and Obi Toppin showed that he can shot block, too. So yep. I just don't know how much I like. No, actually, I'll take that back. I do it's like athleticism. Obi Toppin and Kai Jones. Yep. I, do like, I do like the two of them together. A young athletic running team transition. If you see, there's a, a consistent theme with all my picks. They're all good in transition, which mm-hmm. I feel like we struggled with badly last year especially in the playoffs when we would be we have a two or three on one take a contested layup get to have to get the rebound and work so hard you so remember that you you probably know exactly what play i'm talking about in the playoffs where ob and quick was on the on a fast break 
I just feel like with these two additions or three additions with Josh Giddy, if you any one of them, you automatically are a better transition team. But now that we've spoken on all three of those prospects, let's jump down to the second round. Who am I going to take with our 32nd pick? And we got to keep it in the family, the Kentucky Connection. <laughs> got to go with the best player available at this point since it's the second round. And if I feel like he's available at the 32 pick, we got to go with Brandon B.J. Boston, who just last year was the 10th ranked prospect in the class of 2020, but his stock had dropped so badly. It dramatically dropped drastically after dramatically dropped. Do you hear me? I hear you. <laughs> it dropped. dropped drastically. It dropped. A lot of D's. It dropped. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's the that's the moral of the story. Is it it went it went down bad to the point where he's a second round pick. Possibly. He only averaged eleven point five points per game, four point five rebounds, shot thirty five percent from the field, thirty percent from three. Those are bad numbers. But if you're looking just at the numbers, you're doing something wrong. You got to look at the game. And when you look at the game, you see that BJ's potential to be a steady scorer off the bench due to his ball handling skills at 6'7", 188 pounds. He has a nice pull-up game. He has he has a, a nice handle, like I just said. He has a raw offensive talent that you can develop into forming a, a consistent scorer off the bench. And I, I see... A high potential to be a solid team defender as well because he was really active in the passing lanes at Kentucky. He has to just be more consistent. Eliminate all those tough shots that he was taking because that's what made his his percentages go down so bad. And he played really bad up until the last 10 games of the season where he was a lot more consistent, a lot more productive. And I just see it, it was kind of like an OB topping year at Kentucky. Highly touted. Supposed to be ready for the moment, struggled, worked his way throughout the year, and got better as the year went along. So if I'm going to be at the second round with the 30-second pick, swinging for the fences, looking for a player who's going to contribute and possibly be something that a player that can be in a league for 10-plus years, I feel like you could go with B.J. Boston and be comfortable with that. I see him going starting his career off in the G League. But if you have BJ in the lineup his rookie year, I don't see, I don't see how we could be back in the, in the in the playoffs. But I do see a more exciting team to watch. How, what's your thoughts on BJ? I keep coming back to something that I've heard Jonathan Macri say: when players that are highly talented. And then drop as drastically as a BJ Boston. And I think the other player he mentioned was Zaire Williams. Who are highly touted and they drop, their stock drops. Those players tend to not have fulfilling careers in the NBA. With that said... If he's available at 32, I don't think I can be mad at taking him considering that he was considered a top 10 project, a top 10 option. Just like Mitch. 
well, no. It's different. Mitch fell because he didn't he play. Off. Took a year off. Got bad advice from an agent. All kinds of stuff. And it's like, nobody knows. Can't, can't even tell. You have nothing to go off of. So he's the unknown. Very and true. Knicks took a shot on the unknown. Very true. BJ showed what he had and he didn't contribute. And part of that I keep hearing is because of his weight, because he's undersized. He had a lot of trouble finishing. And if he puts on a little bit more weight, he'll be all right. He said he's 6'7", 188. Maybe he needs another 5, 10 pounds. Maybe that's all he needs, and maybe he'll, he reaches that potential. So I can't be mad at that at 32. But at the same time, there are a lot of guys in this draft. There are a couple guys in this draft that I think are going to fall to the second round that I'm like, I, I think that you can get this guy and he'll be a rotation player. And I think it might be more of a guarantee than the upside of B.J. Boston. Uh, I can't wait to see you for next week. <laughs> uh, now, I could be wrong. Right, I, I have a guy that I'm looking at at 32 who, I he, he could be taken. He could be taken. I th- that's the thing also. Like once you get past like the first five, mm-hmm. there are guys who can go anywhere from the teens all the way down to the second round, and and you'd understand why. I have a guy. Who, I got a couple guys who could go in the teens, but could also end up in the second round. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to spoil it. But if if one of those two guys are there at 32, I'm taking them over BJ Boston. I ain't blaming you. And, and But if they're not there, I think BJ Boston will be the guy because there's not too many guys that I think I think will contribute to that level. There are not too many guys that I think will contribute to that level that I would guarantee versus the upside, the potential upside of a BJ Boston. So anyway, I like that, swinging that, for the fences. Most potential yeah, is I, where you're going to have to I, find me. I, like I said, I wouldn't be mad at it if he's there at 32. I just, I, I want to see who has been taken and see if I agree with it. 100%. Those are my he's a wing four who prospects. Can't, he's a wing who can't shoot. So that's, that's the only thing, you know, if he, if he shoots I, a lot better, if he then, yeah, you did well. I like his shot. I think he shot a, a horrible I think he percentage. Can yeah, he could shoot. He just shot a horrible percentage. Like Book mm-hmm. Knight, he could shoot, but he has a horrible percentage. I feel mm-hmm. like he's one of those. And with better talent around him and a routine and a regiment that he could follow and not having to follow all the COVID rules that I'm pretty sure he had to follow in Kentucky, weird that. year that he had to play through. I'm not putting too much stock into that. I'm putting stock into what I believe he will be able to do in the future. And that's why I chose him. That's why I chose Cooper. That's why I chose Kai. And that's why I like Giddy. Speaking of putting stock into into players and Sharif Cooper, I see here that Ian Begley reported that the Knicks are collecting intel from other teams on Sharif Cooper to see whether or not they'd have to trade up for him. Mm-hmm. She kind of goes, flies in the face of Thibodeau's, we're looking at wings and shooters, because Sharif Cooper is neither one of those. I don't I yet. don't pay attention to what 
Tibbs says in an interview. He, you know, you know, uh, what, what line comes to my mind every time I, I hear Tibbs talking to the media. You remember, you've seen The Departed, right? Yeah. My theory on cops is treat them like mushrooms, feed them shit and keep them in the dark. That's how Tom Thibodeau looks at the media. <laughs> feed them shit, keep them in the dark. <laughs> Tell them we're looking for a wing, but we know Sharif Cooper is our guy. We want to collect all the intel we need from other teams to see what teams are interested in him, see what teams would draft him. I feel like Indiana would possibly draft him at 13, which makes them a threat. I see maybe Tom Thibodeau, maybe he is being truthful with that, but maybe it's not the number one option. Maybe the second pick, they're looking for a wing who can shoot. Like, a what's the boy name? Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy, the safest pick that everybody loves. Maybe that's the guy that they would target with their second pick if they don't have to trade up for Cooper. But it just it just makes way too much sense for him to get drafted here. And I just hope for once that I can leave f- fulfilled on draft night with at least one player who I desperately wanted, and we get that. Because that has yet to happen yet for me. I think me and you both be pissed if Sharif Cooper gets drafted at 18. <laughs> because that that is the Nixie thing to happen. You know what would be amazing? What he gets drafted at eighteen, we get pissed off for five minutes, and then you hear we have a trade to announce. <laughs> 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 Who got the eighteenth pick? Detroit Pistons trade Sharif Cooper to the New York Knicks for picks tw- nineteen and twenty one. Then it'll be a party wherever I, all Knicks fans I mean, are I, watching the draft I, parties at the I, bar. It'll be a party all I'd over New York. I'd be pissed at that still. I'd be pissed at that wouldn't still. Be. I wouldn't be. If you, if you trade 19 and 21 to move up to 18, that, I feel like you could you could do something better than that. Well, I, that was just like, the first thing that popped into my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Like, like nah, th- not that. no, don't do that. You trade 19 <laughs> and 32 and 59 or whatever or Kevin Knox or whatever you need to do. Cooper is worth it. <laughs> Don't don't do nineteen and twenty one because if we leave, you can, you can get a good player at twenty one. Just just to move up one spot. Don't do that. But I, I here's what I I noticed every year for the Knicks we draft two players and it seems to be get the guy that you really want and then get the guy who's gonna help the guy that you really want throughout his rookie process. We've seen that with Kevin Knox and Mitch. We've seen that with RJ and Ignis. We've seen that last year with Obi and Quick. Mm-hmm. You get two prospects. You get to look at both of them, see which one of them pans out, and who you're going to keep on the roster for the for the years to come. Damian Dotson and, and keep both of them. Yeah, yeah. So with four picks, I know for sure that two of them are going to be gone, traded somewhere for something. I just hope they. I hope they trade their lower three picks, twenty one. 32, and I think 59 is the other pick. Trade them to move up anywhere to 7. I don't care if it's 18, 17, 16. I don't care what pick Somewhere below 19. Even if you even if you trade those three to just to move to 20, I'd rather that than you, you, keep, you, you know. But we know it's not going to be nothing simple. Trade those last two to for another year. I'd rather them move up in this draft. It's not going to be that simple. Last year we traded like eight times to get the picks that we actually wanted. So I don't care what picks we trade, what what, what picks we keep. I care just that we up. get the players that it don't. We don't even have to move up. If we can move back and get the players that we want, just get the players that we want. We want because we have the the scouts that have drafted 
all-star players, the Donovan Mitchells of the world. We have those guys in our front office. We have Brock Aller, who's the numbers guy, who, like, we have all these guys who should be able to work together and find prospects that we feel like help this team get better. And if we, even if we don't get Cooper, if we get a guy like Jaden Springer and a wing shooter, like Tom Thibodeau says, if we get Jaden Springer and end the, and, and end the night with Jaden Springer and Trey Murphy, I'm not complaining. I'd be mad because we didn't get Cooper, but I feel like I can trust in this front office to make the right pick. And speaking of Jaden Springer. Another guard. Keep him in the dark, you say. Keep him in the dark. Keep him in the another, dark and feed another, him shit. Another guard. <laughs> another guard that the Knicks may be looking at. Yep. That's not a wing. One of the guards who was confirmed to have worked out for the Knicks and appeared to look a lot more explosive now that his ankle injury subsided and is fully healthy. I haven't done a lot of research on Jaden Springer, but I do like his top traits a lot. And even when you watch him play, he doesn't have a flashy game, but he gets the job done. He gets everything that you want from a, a, a guard to get done. He does that for you. I had to do a little more research on him to, to, pr- to provide context to what I'm saying. But just take my word for it. We wouldn't be upset if we drafted Jaden Springer. I'm Your just thoughts? gonna. I'm just gonna, because I still have to. I have to watch his videos a little bit more to have a solid opinion of him. He's he's gonna get taken in the top twenty. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel fairly confident in saying that. Worst case scenario, top twenty five. For some reason, I don't think. People consider him having a lot of upside, which I don't understand yet because he's a freshman. I'm going to read off what the Strickland has in their draft board, draft big board. Hard body, jack of all trades, guard who can dribble, pass, shoot, defend, read the game, and catch a poster dunk. He may not have any one mind-blowing skill, but was incredibly productive at a very young age. Get this man to Johnny Bryant ASAP. That sums him up perfectly. So a ro- at the very worst, you get in a rotation player who can help you on all, in all aspects of the game. He could be a starter. He, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Worst case scenario, that's, that's what he could be. Best case scenario, he can be a starter, maybe an all-star. We don't know. He's a freshman. He, he can develop more skills and be one of the best players in this draft from the way that that reads because he's a jack-of-all-trades, and maybe he develops an elite skill. Maybe he develops all his skills and becomes one of the best in the league at his position. We we won't know until we know. Yeah. I, I have no problem with them working him out. I wouldn't be mad if we drafted him. I think that Sharif Cooper is still both of our top choices at 19. But if he's gone and you can't trade up for him, I, w- I wouldn't mind tra- drafting Jaden Springer if he's there. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Springer over Trey Mann. For sure. I know Trey I know. Mann is really skilled and he's a shot creator, but I need someone who's going to provide something that's going to help the team win rather than help you get your points and help you look good. He's the furthest thing from LaMelo Ball. But if, you, if, if you're someone who appreciates the positive things that Frank Nilakina brings to the team, you're going to love Jaden Springer. Probably will. And if you hate the things, if you hate Frank Nilakina, 
he's going to provide for you the old things that Frank Nilakina you wish provided. Right. That's the perfect summary for Jaden Springer. Are you got anything to plug, French? <laughs> I'm plugging out just like last week. I'm unplugging. It's time for You're unplugging. Time, unplugging. Time for night night. Time for night night. <laughs> you see how many times I'm yawning? I'm tired. What time is it? Yeah, yeah it's 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 about that time. It's about uh, that where, time. Hold on. Since since actually, let's see what that score is like. Because neither one of us is paying attention to this game. Yeah. Before we sign out. Before we sign out, we gotta inform the listeners that the Phoenix Suns are currently down by one in the third quarter, 64-63. Oh, so sounds like I'm going to be watching the rest of this game while I'm trying to edit. Yeah. All right, y'all. I got nothing to plug either. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Peace love out. y'all. Shout out to everyone around the world who's listening. I looked at the stats today. We got fans in Australia, Indonesia. I'm making things up as I go. But you understand what I'm saying. The Mixtape Podcast. And we signing yeah. up.